Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. about other people is a beautiful trait to have. It means you are kind, you're thoughtful, you're capable, you're empathetic, you're reliable, and you're probably a great friend. In fact, everyone probably comes to you, right? You actually enjoy taking care of others. It feels really rewarding. But what if your over-caretaking creates a dynamic where you are giving, 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 and then you find yourself never getting anything back in return. In fact, you find yourself, in the end, exhausted with all this energy you expended onto others, and then you become even resentful over time that you are yet again doing everything for everyone, and where are they in the end? So this vicious cycle is something very common that I talk about with people, and it's what I call over-caretaking, where you find yourself in what ends up being almost like a lopsided relationship with someone, That's and that's who you tend to attract. The problem is, is that often you might not recognize that it's a problem. By meeting others' needs over your own can often enable others to not give back to you. And you are the one that's actually closing yourself off from receiving. And the reason why you may default to this role is because, quite honestly, it's familiar. So perhaps you were a caretaker your whole life. Maybe it was like you were the little parent to your parents' emotional or physical needs. So you were reinforced to be that role. And you were encouraged and rewarded for being selfless since childhood. So fast forward to now, what that looks like is, you know, that's that's where your confidence lives. And it is what you know and how love got expressed. So you will fall into that dynamic even when you're trying to attract love because that's what's familiar to you and that's where your confidence lives. So I want to go over actually four warning signs <laughs> that you are a care over caretaker. And, you know, as I read this, just kind of listen to see now this, there may be some that are, are familiar to you. Some you don't always attribute to yourself, but even if you have some of these traits and you know that it kind of overrides other areas of your life, it's something to think about. So the first one is knowing what's best for your loved one and insisting on making that happen. So you you might genuinely think that it it's always your responsibility to be in charge of everything related to like people's illnesses, like if someone's sick, everyone's sick in the family. No, of course it's your role. Everyone's needs, their troubles, their conflict. Here you are, you put your cape on, you swoop on in. It's your role, it's your job. And, you know, that includes everyone, you know, should be doing that with you. Like, they'll just kind of fall into the receiving mode as you are the giver. Okay, so that's that's number one. You just assume that. Number two, you please everyone but not yourself. It's kind of like what I just talked about. So what that looks like is, let's say your in-laws visit, okay, and they want you to do something. And so you follow their wishes even though it's not yours. 
And it just seems that like it's either silence or confrontation is those are your only options. So you do nothing. You know, you just kind of skirt on by, you you just please because you just don't want to make waves. And then you get rewarded with praise and positive responses from the in-laws because, oh my gosh, you're so great. <laughs> you did everything that they wanted you to do. And, you know, in a sense, it felt really good. But then in the end, you are filled with anger and resentment. Okay, number three, you are always reading your loved one's minds. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? You might do a lot of thinking for other people, partly to save time and partly to guarantee that the outcomes are gonna be the ones that you want and have control over. So there is a sense of when you're a people pleaser over a caretaker of having some control over something. And number four, Another warning sign is that you might even be pleased that the person in trouble, a person who is ill, person in conflict relies on you. So you feel needed. I mean, bottom line, because growing up, that is how you gain praise or love. So you naturally fall into that role to receive it. And there is some satisfaction around it. And that's just like being honest with yourself. So When you choose to stop assuming all of this unnecessary responsibility and control, guess what? Your workload will decrease. Your anger and stress will subside. You'll have fewer arguments and better communication, and you'll end up with more time for yourself. And that, that is what's going to attract a more reciprocal relationship in the end. So I have someone on the call today who I, I kind of think she suffers from the over caretaking. I had the pleasure of talking to her a little bit. I don't know her a lot, but we did have one call before this. But, you know, it's really impacting her dating life. And I wanted to bring her on to see how I can put a dent in this and, and start helping her a little bit. Welcome, Cindy. Are you there? I am. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. And it wasn't that long ago. And how does it feel to be on the podcast? Uh, So far, so good. (laughs) Because you've been a listener, right? Oh, yeah, I've been a listener. That's how I got here. Uh, well, tell everyone like who you are and yeah, like a little okay. bit about you. Yeah, you I am, um, I resonate with a lot that you just talked about. And I feel like my caretaking did start when I was pretty young. Um, not so much taking care of my parents, but I kind of felt like I needed to take care of my older brother mm. in a sense that he was, um, he was a skinny, we were both skinny kids, but for some reason I was kind of stronger. I felt like maybe emotionally or mentally or physically, I felt like I kind of had to protect him. Um, and then fast forward, I got married and I had four children, which being a mom, I, um, that is all but caretaking is what you do. And, and I obviously had a really, well, maybe not obviously, but I had a really great role model. My mom, she was selfless to the end. Mm. And um, I kind of, I, it's funny because I think about her and I think about she, she should have had more children. She had just two of us and she caretaked the neighborhood. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, like, yeah. Mother hen. <laughs> yeah, 
and so I was always kind of like, I don't want to go that far with it. Um, But I went far enough. And then my kids, I got divorced. And so I had four children to raise. And, and then nobody tells you, you know, once your kids get raised, you have your parents. And so I helped my dad, he passed from cancer, brain cancer about five years ago, and then my mom got dementia. Mm. Um, so that just kind of put me into like, oh yeah. And I, I, I guess I could have said no to any and all of it, but I, I didn't, I took care of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're good at it. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, like I am am good at it. And, um, it is maybe one of the biggest accomplishments that I'm proud of. And I reap the benefits. My kids are all over the age of 20 now, and I get they, they really like spending time with me. So there are some benefits, but it um, hasn't done me that well in my dating life. Oh, okay. So let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're here. Well, tell me more about that. Like how has that dynamic impacted your dating life and what has it been like so far? It feels like I'm attracting people that I caretake and I might not get that back. Maybe all about them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the pattern that I've picked up so far. I tend to be monogamous. So I've been in a few monogamous relationships over the years, um, long-term mm-hmm. and they just don't seem to work out. Cause at the end, I feel like I, um, am not getting the tension that I so need or want. If that yeah, makes any sense. Totally. Was that true in your marriage as well? No, I think my marriage, um, that was a whole different, I, I obviously you take care of each other. And I felt like my husband met my emotional needs. Um, but yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, Mm. that's a whole nother. So you're, so you're finding that this is, it's more like surfacing as you're trying to learn how to, to date. Um, that's hard to answer. I don't know if it's a dating issue or a relationship Mm. issue. Like once I get to know them, I think I get very comfortable taking on the caretaking role and because it's what I know. And I am like, where's the sunshine on me? Where's my time in the sun in this relationship? Or where's my, how are my needs not being met? Mm. Um, And I guess I attribute that to like, um, like the question, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Well, are you really, you know, being, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. And you start a relationship with that. You start off with everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's great. And Mm. then I guess, I don't know. I wake up when I'm like, you know, things aren't great. I would like to be more a part of this relationship and not on the side or on the, you know, what not just not fulfilled emotionally, I guess. So attracting men that aren't emotionally capable, which I, it's funny because I know dating mm-hmm. and caretake too. This isn't just separate. Mm-hmm. Of oh, them. absolutely. No, no I, right. Of them. Um, but I haven't been in a relationship with one, which that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? And by the way, like it was, it was good that you were thinking about that question. Like, I don't know if it's a dating question or a relationship question in ways of like that dynamic. And the answer is, I mean, it's both. Right. And Mm -hmm. I always say that if you want to change the dynamic of a relationship, you got to go back to the beginning and where things start, which is the dating, you know? Mm -hmm. And so 
So tell me more about that. Like when, you know, when you're meeting a guy, like what tends to happen in the beginning and who are you getting attracted to? Um, uh, you know, this is, <laughs> I think I've been thinking about this and I just listened to something of yours not that long ago, like today. And it's, I can maybe be a little superficial and I want to be attracted and I want to feel chemistry and I want all that without thinking um, about maybe who he is. Ooh, interesting. Okay, what do you mean by that? Can you give me an example? Well, you know, I don't know. It's like, um, you always hear that. I want to feel instant chemistry. I want to feel attracted. I want to feel like I want to be closer to them. And then, well, really, what what are they bringing to you other than that stuff that is is it's kind of superficial, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to saying, I want to get to know you. Who are you? What are you bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah. Well, I can, it's, it's almost hard to articulate because it's, um, it's, it's, I'm just kind of stepping in that pool right now going, okay, let's step back. Cause this hasn't worked. Right. <laughs> right. Which is why we're here. And that's okay. Like I, and, and it is hard to sometimes stop and see yourself. And I think, and this is partly based on some of the things you and I talked about before, but when you're a new quote unquote dater, you know, cause in a way you are because you've had just more relationships than you've had time is just like pure dating, you know, without getting attached. And, you know, the thing that it's hard to have a bird's eye view of yourself because you're used to just being in that caretaking relationship mode. So you're, you know, you, you might be going at dating as the relationship girl and, on some level, there may be some superficiality to that too, you know, as you're trying to see who's right for you. So in a way, it could be like part of the vetting process. And I was wondering, like, when you reflect and think about like, when you're meeting a guy for the first time, do you, do you tend to ask more questions of them? And, you know, in that sense, and then you don't really share, you're kind of slow to warm up about sharing about yourself. No, I, I do ask questions because I've done my research on being a good date. And uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like I do that. I don't know that I pay attention to the questions like, oh, did he ask questions about me? Was he curious? Did he listen? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I get more caught up into, am I asking questions? Am I looking interested? Um, am I uh. responding to what he's saying? And not enough attention on like, you know, is he interested in what I have to say? And, and, and that, and then, you know, take that out a few years. And if you could see it right when you were dating, wow, you know, right. And, and, and the more I uh, listen to your podcast and get all these little tidbits, trust me, (laughs) waiting waiting to try them out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, we're, we're just getting started here, but yeah, no, this is, this is good. And so, It's interesting because what you're describing is that a lot of the focus is still outside yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. am I saying the right things? Does he like me? Am I, you know, like you're, you're still thinking and worrying about other people in some sense and not enough of how you feel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, that's a big switch. You know, I was working with a client recently who had that and it was funny because she, she came back from a date and she was describing the date to a T, like every description, even down to like the ingredients of the food. Like she was very detail oriented Mm -hmm. and like what happened on the date and, and all that. I stopped her and I said, but how did you feel? She said, oh, I, I actually don't know. I mean, I think he had a fun time. I said, but that's not what I asked you. I said, how did you, you feel? Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't even know. And I'm not saying that's necessarily you, but I think there's something about you, again, being really good at being inquisitive and sharing like, you know, what you think he wants to hear. It's, and that's what I call shape-shifting, you know, sometimes versus, yeah, like, how do you feel? And then not waiting for him to ask you a question. And so this is my follow-up question to you. Do you actually offer something about you without like waiting for him to no. ask you? No, but I want to. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what stops you? Um, I, I think um, uh, I, I am so interested in people. I really do enjoy hearing people's stories. And um, I do enjoy that. And maybe to obviously to a fault. Um, and I, I, I go back and I look at my bigger overall life picture and I think, For so many years, I don't know, I'm sure I'm still holding on to a part of this, but I really didn't want the attention. I didn't want to be the center of attention. Um, And now that, you know, you have enough failed relationships and you're like, that's what ended up ruining it because I didn't get the attention, right? And yeah, Mm. it's just this weird circle of like, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I know and I want to, I want to behave differently. And I know that I have control over my behaviors, but, you know, put me with on a date and there she goes, you know, I, I shoot up, suit up, I show up, I ask the questions. I have a great time. I, um, yeah, I, and I, I, I would love to practice going into a date with maybe two or three things I want to interject throughout the conversation and see if I can do it. You know, definitely my my challenge to myself. Um, I love that. I I don't think I have. I can always tell, you know, you can tell me a story and I can always tell you a story back for sure. But just Mm -hmm. to interject and start a conversation based on something about me. Yeah. mm -mm. (laughs) So it kind of goes back to, you and I talked about this, what you, what you want is you, is what you fear as well. So you're wanting attention yet you also fear it and not, and not like it. So you're battling yourself. That's, you know what I mean? Like it's confusing probably to the men too. And I just wonder like, what is hard for you about receiving that attention? What comes up for you? Um, well, I, that could even go back to my childhood because I was one of those, I kind of laugh. I didn't tell you this the other day, but in sixth grade, I was voted the biggest flirt of sixth grade class, you know, the biggest flirt. And I think oh. my whole life, I have been this like, kind of like the funny flirty. And I think that didn't serve me. And so I just kind of turned it off. I just, I decided that, no, that's not good. Or maybe, maybe I had a pimple. 
I don't know. Don't look at, you know, don't look at my pimple. I'm not perfect, you know? So let's just talk about you. Um, mm-hmm. I think all those things kind of play into it, you know, and I, my, I don't know if I'd get in more trouble because I was more flirty or more outspoken, but I just kind of shifted it. I shifted it. Um, pretty young. Mm-hmm. When I started, I think I started taking life a lot more seriously. How old were you? Um, well, that was sixth grade, biggest flirt. Uh, biggest <laughs> flirt, sixth grade. I think you're about, oh God, those are those formative years too, like 12, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Probably when you're just, I mean, that's usually when a woman also is coming into her own and exploring sexuality and all that. <laughs> Do you remember how it didn't serve you? Did something happen? Um, well, I remember once in high school, I had my girlfriend, she asked, like, it was probably, I think I was a freshman and she, this guy was bugging her, wanted to go out with her, wanted to go out, wanted to take her to this dance. And she goes, would you just get him off my back and ask him? And I thought, yeah, sure. That's not a problem. We'll go ask him. I asked him out and he just laughed me out of the quad. Oh, it was so oh. humiliating. So humiliating. So that's one example. I mean, um, granted, I was like a freshman. He was a senior. She was a junior. You know, I don't even know. I just thought I was doing my friend this big favor. And I thought, easy peasy. He'll go with me. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. No, because I'm coming off of all this, like, you know, high esteem. Like, yeah, I'm pretty cool. People like me, you know. Mm -hmm. I have friends, I have boyfriends, whatever, this shouldn't be a problem. And so I just think in life, those little, little things and without, you know, thinking too much about it, I, along the ways there, along the way, there was a couple other things like that, that I can't think right now, but those, mm. those things, and maybe in my family as well, you know, getting in trouble at my, at home or whatever, just kind of, kind of knocks you down. And then thinking, well, maybe the easier path is to not ask or not seek out the attention. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And just, you know, and then I, again, my mom was the perfect caregiver. um, If there's such a thing as a perfect over caregiving. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, she didn't. Oh, she's, she hasn't, she's in her memory care right now. She's not passed. Um, But man, she just, even there, I have the, the, (laughs) the nurses tell me she wants to sweep. She wants to take the residents on their walks. She wants to, she goes, they, she tries to help me get out of the wheelchairs that she can't do that. I'm like, well, good luck stopping her. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's, her, that's her gift. Like that's her confidence. Right. And so even in this state, she's like, yeah, like embracing that. Kind. Yeah. She yeah, still wants to make sure everybody mm-hmm. is uh, doing their best at her expense or not, you know, who knows? <laughs> so. Was there an assemblance like with that dynamic of, you know, like everything's fine. Everything's okay. Like where feelings didn't get expressed a lot growing up. Yes. Yes. There was, um, um, my mom and dad both drank. I would probably say in this day and age, they probably both were alcoholics, but very high functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I didn't ever want for anything. My, my um, dad and mom gave me a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it came to, um, like I mentioned the other day, if I cried and my dad didn't want to see that, he would just say, don't cry. Just don't cry. Couldn't handle it. And my mom, you know, I, I got a divorce and my dad kind of fell apart with me. My mom didn't. 
just not very emotional, mm-hmm. a very kind woman, but a little emotionally bankrupt. And then my dad just couldn't handle, he couldn't handle seeing me upset. Um, or the opposite of it, him and I could fight. We could yell and scream and fight, but not, not, not the tender emotions, I guess. Right. So to this day, I still kind of tell myself, you need to learn how to cry, you know, really just let yourself go. And I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I remember you saying that on the call. And I also remember you, you had gotten a little teary eyed while we, while we were talking. <laughs> I know. Cause you heard me. <laughs> oh, do you remember what hit you? Um, oh, it had something to do with men and, um, around the attention thing and not wanting yeah. attention and just wanting to be somebody to understand me and hear me. Yeah. You, you yeah. said something super clever. I don't know. It was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm leading you there only because I think it ties into what you're sharing. And I don't know if you're hearing yourself as you're talking, but you know, you started the podcast by saying, well, I didn't really have that role growing up. I mean, just with my brother and then it didn't really surface until now, but actually all the things you're talking about kind of led you down the road to kind of withhold your own feelings and to care more for others because you grew up with a dynamic of either the high, high emotion where it was scary or everything's fine and sweep it under the rug. Like there was this huge discrepancy, right? And so you, it, it like with each of these little examples that you gave, it was almost like, you know, your light was dimmed, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you started with this, this shiny light. And then anytime you tried to express and it could look like to a boy, to your parents, it was like, no, 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 no. You know? And so you learned, oh, wait a second. It's just safer to just focus on your feelings and someone else, because I guess I shouldn't be shining so bright. That, that is so, yeah, that feels very true. Yeah, my light was dimmed. <laughs> but, but here's the good news, Cindy. Like, she's in there. Like, I love hearing that. Like, you were the flirty girl in sixth grade. Like, that's awesome. And I I, I feel like, you know, it's Pandora's box. I call it sometimes, like, it's like opening that treasure chest again mm-hmm. and having her come out, but like in a 2.0 version. Where you can feel like that free, fun, silly, flirty girl that you, you, you were. Well, she comes out after a margarita or two. (laughs) Okay. So she's there. (laughs) So you just need to learn how to do it without the margarita where you can flirt and have fun with everyone, no matter, you know, at a drop of a dime that you won't need the uh, truth serum to do that. And, um, that, yeah. So fast forward to now and bringing back to kind of the issue, I think we kind of um, nailed the the pinpoint of that attention seeking thing is that it all goes back to all those things that we were talking about. And there's this sense of not being good enough, you know, with all of that. And that's why you probably strive for that perfection. If one little thing doesn't work out, Oh, it's just, it's horrible. So guess what caretaking does? You can control, you can control the environment and the emotions because it's someone else, not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just there to facilitate doing whatever needs to get done to 
make sure that everybody's fed and healthy and happy and getting on their way in their life. Yeah. But it sounds like you're exhausted by that and it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now it's like, what do you do about it? Cause I think we're coming to, we're cracking the code a little bit and now it's more like moving into the how to, you know, to move past mm-hmm. that because I like, what would it be like to, to actually have someone to give you the attention, but you being comfortable with that? Like, I think that's the place to start. Yeah. Cause I don't, I really don't drink. So I can't, I can't maintain <laughs> that. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't want you to have to like have a margarita every time you go on a date. Right? Yeah, I didn't. I, I maybe have two margaritas a, a year. Um, yeah, I just I in my mind I'm thinking, um, and and you say it too. You know, give everybody an opportunity. Just don't look for the ones that you're attracted to. Give everybody mm-hmm. a chance to talk and practice. And you know, I just kind of here I am. I've got the time. My kids are all raised. My, my parents are both taken care of in their own different ways. And yeah. And, oh, hello. But then COVID shows up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, and I, I've tried, I I'm trying to get more dates, uh, to, uh, FaceTime uh-huh. it's been super successful. Uh, but yeah, just practicing, I think just practicing and letting, you know, letting somebody else take control I Mm -hmm. guess which Mm -hmm. that sounds I because I know I know that if I they do take a little control and then I might hop right back on and just do more or something different or whatever because I know I do that I do it with my own family um where I get so excited that they clean up the kitchen that then I go clean a whole nother room it's like oh I'm so excited let me do more yeah (laughs) right right (laughs) That totally makes sense given your upbringing, because when you grow up in an unpredictable environment where you're not sure, like where the moods are going to be, you have to do something to give yourself a sense of control to, to help you with your anxiety of the Mm -hmm. not knowing, Mm -hmm. right? So that it's going to be super foreign and scary to not control. Yeah. 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 So So here, here's some ideas for you. And, you know, I always tell people start small. It's too overwhelming to think, oh, well, I'm just going to like date up a storm and receive. Woohoo! Like, I mean, what does that really mean? Like you would have done that already. And, um, and I think that here, I just want to give you some like three steps to try. And I think it'll be more digestible that way. And then, you know, after that, you just kind of like almost take notes for yourself and and how you're doing. I mean, the first thing is I want to talk about the chemistry piece because you're saying that you want the chemistry, but yet you're keeping it kind of superficial in order to see if there's chemistry, but like, how are you going to know if there's chemistry if you're guarded? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're not allowing the process to happen. And also you're going to, because you weren't allowed to feel like you're gonna be really looking for that sexual chemistry because that's the mm-hmm. drug right mm-hmm. and you're gonna rely on that because that's the strongest chemistry that anyone can feel but that's not necessarily always the healthiest either yeah 
<laughs> right? So I, I think if you learn on a date, for instance, to when like you get to know someone, I want you practicing asking him the questions like you know you always do, but try to get it more on a personal level, like, you know, bring it down from the superficiality and still have fun and all that, but, but get to know him and really listen. And then maybe after two questions you ask, share something about yourself in relation to what he's offering you. So let's say it's just like, oh, I love you know, I love Spain, I traveled, and you ask him more about, you know, what he loves about it, and get his, like, emotion and passion underneath it. Not so much, oh, where did you go, and what restaurants? That's the facts that'll keep it superficial. No, like, what prompted him to go there? What, why was he so passionate about it? Mm-hmm. And then relate to him in some way about it. Oh, you know, I, I did some traveling in Spain or I love traveling and, and share a story about traveling. And by doing that, you will contribute. And then you get to see if he's actually listening and caring what you're contributing to. Okay. Okay. So what do you think of that? First of all, uh, yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. But you, you, you nailed it with the whole chemistry thing. You're right. It's a sexual, it's that spark that we all love to have. Well, yeah. And, you know, with my clients, I do a lot of, um, I call it a chemistry analysis that I do with them. And it's this whole system. So when you're going on dates, you're actually doing the chemistry analysis and you're collecting data rather than getting caught up in the, you know, the kind of the physicality of it. And it really helps because you're paying attention to deeper things because chemistry isn't just physical. There's like emotional, there's intellectual, there's a lot of different kinds of chemistry. But if you're not keen to it, to really pay attention, you might just rely on that sexual one. Mm -hmm. But by sharing stories on an emotional level, you might start feeling a more emotional connection which is going to be different for you because you're saying you're not attracting a lot of like emotionally available guys, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so if you are more open and you're more emotional, see if they match you. And if they don't, wow, what a good indicator that he's that guy Mm -hmm. and you say goodbye, (laughs) you know, like it's a good detector of like, who's listening, who's good for you. And I think if you just like, you know, focus on that. Number two, there are two like C words I want you to think about when you're meeting someone. Instead of worrying about what to say and if he likes you and how you look and what are the other people doing in the room, I really want you pulling in and being present and focus on the first C word is just being curious is there like one or two things that you're curious about him that you can ask him about him as a person? And number two, just connecting, just connecting. Don't worry if he's boyfriend material or if he's going to hurt you again or all these other things that might be like firing. And cause that's, you're, you're going to seriously, like that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Just work on the connection and curiosity. Okay. That makes sense. When you think of yourself on dates, like, is that different than, than maybe what you've been doing? 
Um, I feel like I'm, I'm really present. Um, I think I get, I am still caught up in the chemistry thing because you just nailed it a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, if I'm not able to, like, if I'm not feeling at a high level, I am the one that I, the intense ones I'm going to feel right. <clears throat> and yeah. That, that really resonated. Um, I feel like I am curious. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm connecting. That's something to look into. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's happening. And that's how you can determine whether you're really present because you might, you might be present in, in like a, a certain way, but when you let go of focusing on the, chem, the, the sexual chemistry and boyfriend material and all that, I think you'll find yourself connecting with them differently because the truth is, even if this guy isn't good for you, think to yourself, well, could he be a friend? Could he be a, like a coworker? Could he be like somebody who could serve you in a different way? Not everybody you meet has to be your boyfriend or date material. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it more as like networking and you're like just going to a party, meeting a bunch of men, mm-hmm. I think it'll be lighter and more fun too. Yeah. I think, you know, when I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what I think about when I'm on a date and I'm constantly thinking, is there something here that I'm attracted to? Is there something uh-huh. here that I am interested? Is there something here that is exciting me? And um, that just keeps kind of running through my head. I, yeah. And if I, and if there is, I'm excited. If I'm, like you said, making another friend, that's fine too. I don't have, I don't, I love meeting people. I don't have a problem talking and meeting anybody. Um, But there's that thing about, you know, okay. So the next step is, I guess, is there going to be a second date? And oh, now mm-hmm. am I leading this person on? That's a responsibility. Okay, so that's yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, and I would guess that you would feel that because caretakers don't want to hurt people's feelings. So yeah. why would you lead a guy on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I try to be very responsible. <laughs> Correct, and I will say that. If you think of it more like you're just meeting people and if you give someone a chance where there's enough there, I would just go on another date because your goal is not to get a boyfriend right now. Your goal is to learn how to date and get your needs met and learn how to receive. And with that, you're learning how to connect in a more emotional way so that you don't rely on the sexual chemistry because that is highly charged and it'll help, it'll literally make you lose sight of, of the realness of what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that I, I hear this from my oldest daughter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She makes fun of me. She goes, okay, mom, maybe they can't walk eight miles with you or, you know, climb mountains, mm-hmm. but can you just get to know them anyways? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's amazing how powerful emotional chemistry can be where I've seen so many people when they, when they do this, mm-hmm. where then the physical and sexual chemistry bubbles because they're, they're connected so much intellectually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different way of, of the connection. Cause you got to see, you know, the way that you've been going at it, like something's not working. So you want to do a pattern disrupt. You want to try it in a different way to see if you get a different result. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, exactly. Exactly. I want the emotional connection so badly. Yes. Yes. And that, so that's what you should be focusing on. And it doesn't mean you have to marry any of these guys you're not sexually attracted to or like make yourself like him or anything like that. Just focus on building some sort of emotional connection with each person you meet. And then you just take it from there. Okay. And of course, if, if we continue working together, I, I will help you. I'll hold your hand. And if not, have a friend hold you accountable. Like, you know, just keep, keep your feet on the ground with it. Yeah. It's funny right now. Like, again, I feel like I'm in really uncharted territory and I'm not even on a date. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Which means it's something that you need to do and practice. Cause I mean, you already know how to do the caretaking thing. This is, it's, it's actually super hard sometimes to understand what this is like, you know, you've been just doing it for so long. So yeah, I, I think that though, really like looking at that dynamic of wanting that attention so bad, but you're also fearful of it. And the final tip I would say is I know you're doing my flirt challenge, which I'm so excited about. Yes. Cause I want to unleash her. (laughs) My conflict tomorrow night got, um, I had the dates wrong. So I'm wide open. I'll be there tomorrow night. Oh, good. And, and for those of you listening, don't worry if you can't make, you know, one or two, it's not too late to join because they're all recorded and I give you challenges each day. And so that would be the thing that I'd want you to do is just work on these challenges to start honing in on that, like, inner sexy Cindy in sixth grade. Like even give her a name, sexy Cindy. I like that kind of for you. And just learn how to like embrace getting that attention again and not being fearful of it. And I think like when you work on those two things together, it's going to start coming together. Yeah. It's, it's funny how this drug, you know, I didn't even think about being the biggest flirt in sixth grade until this all came with all your flirt stuff. I'm like, wait a second. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's more than just the flirting. There's always like things attached to it and we all have, you know, emotions around it, which is why I love doing this challenge because it, it isn't just twirling your hair and doing googly eyes. Like we all have attachments to it. So anyway, well, Cindy, I'm so glad you came on. Thank you so much for sharing all this. And and like, what would any like takeaways you want to share and, and how are you feeling? Um, like I just mentioned, I feel like I'm kind of in uncharted, uncharted territory and I'm a little nervous. Um, mm-hmm. My takeaway would be just to, like you said, just go through the three steps on my dates, whether I, I mean, wish they were in person. This is this online dating with, uh, you know, texting and stuff is a little dry, but, you know, pay attention to other forms of chemistry, not just, you know, (laughs) yeah, not, (laughs) not just the sexual chemistry and, um, and get curious, ask him curiosity questions and see how we're Mm -hmm. connecting and then bring, you know, bring in my own stuff about myself and see how he responds. Yeah. Along with your flirtiness and to know that the right guy is going to love that flirty girl and the one who dims it or shuts it down or takes advantage of it or tries to anyway is not your guy. So like either way, 
it's going to detect the ones who are good for you and the ones who are not with all of this. Yeah, stuff. So maybe, maybe celebrate when my, when I feel down to be like, cool, not my guy. I don't mean to waste time. Exactly. Right. But that you're going to be shining bright when you leave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I recognized it. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, awesome. Thank you so much again. And we'll be in touch, of course. And for those of you listening, thanks again for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltz. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And as I mentioned before, it is not too late to hop into my free five-day flirt accelerator challenge so you can learn how to really put yourself out there put yourself first learn how to flirt or like if you're like Cindy bring her out again if it was dimmed before and do it effortlessly and have fun doing it but hurry it's going on now so register but you can catch up with us click on the link you see in the show notes or it's on my website as well working on your flirting and getting a little selfish might just be the thing you need to attract something different until then stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day